Hello and shalom, everybody. My name is Julia Jassy, and you are listening to Nice Jewish Girls, brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. On today's episode, we are talking with Jewish advocate and influencer Amy Albertson. Amy's platform is called The Asian Israeli, and it centers around the intersection between Jewish and Asian culture. It's this wonderful marriage of two distinct and beautiful peoplehoods brought together in Amy's identity. She embodies this wealth of history, this wealth of culture, and she's given us all the honor of hearing her story today. In this conversation, I want to ask her how she's found strength in the intersection of these two identities and why she's chosen to be open on this platform. I want to ask her about the response she's gotten from the community. And finally, I want to ask her how online advocacy can be a platform and a tool for inspiring, meaningful conversations. I am so excited for you guys to meet her. Let's do this thing. Amy Albertson is a Jewish advocate and educator from California. While living in Israel for six years, she created The Asian Israeli, where she cataloged her experiences as a Chinese-American Jewish woman. Through explorations of her own identity, Amy empowers young Jews to be unapologetically Jewish, both online and in their everyday lives. Amy has been an active voice in the Jewish community for over 10 years, and she made Aliyah in 2015, where she dedicated her career to working for Jewish nonprofits. Currently, she is a digital producer at the Tel Aviv Institute. Amy, it's so great to meet you. Thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Julia. I have really wanted to be on this podcast for, I mean, I guess it hasn't been around that long, (laughs) but I think it's one of my new favorite podcasts. Well, I'm so honored to hear that. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. I feel like we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm really excited to have you. Yes. So I want to start from the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? So I'm originally from Sacramento, California, uh, born and raised, and I grew up in a mixed family. My mom is Chinese-American and my dad is Jewish-American. He's pretty much your average Ashkenazi guy who grew up in the Valley most of his life. (laughs) And uh, But I grew up in Sacramento, which was it was really normal to be in a mixed family a lot of my friends were in mixed families or you know the people around me were really diverse a lot of asians Mm -hmm. but also just a lot of everyone and so i knew i was jewish and chinese and i would tell people that if they asked me what i was but it wasn't really i didn't think twice about it ever that it was like weird Mm -hmm. or unique or anything like that um i didn't grow up with, I would say, the traditional Jewish upbringing at all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in in a mixed house, so we did a lot of like both holidays in very cultural and secular mm-hmm. ways. And um, and my Jewish grandmother is she lives in Berkeley, and she's a self proclaimed atheist Jewish woman, right? So um, she's really mm-hmm. not into religion and God necessarily, but. Being a Jewish woman is really important to her, and we definitely did Jewish things, and it was important that, like, I knew I was Jewish. Um, but I didn't go to Jewish day school. I never went to synagogue until I was an adult. I didn't know that I had celebrated Shabbat until I was an adult and celebrated it again. and was like, oh, I think we did this before. Um, and our holidays mm-hmm. looked very different than most people's. Um But yeah, in general, it was just a very, my parents were very open about me exploring what I wanted. Um, 
And so, yeah, Judaism, the religion, I would say, wasn't really a big part of my life. But I definitely identified as Jewish, even if I didn't know what it meant. And so now you are really, really vocal about your experiences coming into your identity. How did that shift? What kind of was that moment for you that made things change? So it's actually a really interesting story. So I went to Catholic Mm -hmm. high school um, by choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only private Mm -hmm. college preparatory schools in Sacramento are Catholic. And so I was really academically inclined. And I said to my parents, like, can I go to this Mm -hmm. high school? Um, So as I was in Catholic high school, we had to study religion. And I went to a pretty liberal Catholic high school. So we learned about world religions. We um, there was a whole unit about the Old Testament, which obviously was from like a Catholic point of view. But that's when I started to think about things like religion or think about these stories. And I knew I had Jewish roots. So that's when I started to really get interested. Um, And yeah, for my 17th birthday, I asked my grandma for a Megan David. So that was when I got my first Mm -hmm. Star of David necklace. Um, And then when Mm -hmm. I went to college, that was kind of the natural time to explore. Um, Not that I wasn't allowed to explore or pursue Judaism as a kid. It's just like I was... Mm-hmm. It was a little bit before social media and like Google being so accessible. So, um, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like I could just Google things and find it, you know, find a where to go. Uh, so, anyways, in college is when it really kind of happened. And my first stop was Hillel. And um, I mean, Julia, you know firsthand about you know Jewish activity on campus. Obviously, that's your work. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I went to Hillel and that was kind of my first Jewish home. And that's when I really just, I made a lot of friends who became my best friends and really immersed myself in in a Jewish world. I went to different synagogues in Portland and met with different rabbis to see where maybe my home was going to be. And um, I ended up at uh, Congregation Shari Torah, which is a great conservative synagogue there. And I ended up working for the youth advisor and mm. and basically learning with these kids that I was helping to teach. And it was really great. And that's kind of where it started. That's wonderful. It's really cool, too, to hear this story because you talk about um, academics being something really important to you. And it seems like that's almost the way in which you came into Judaism through learning about it from a super academic lens. And that's something that I can really relate to as well. Like for me, I grew up pretty secular um, and I've been getting more in touch with my Judaism over the past few years and going on this journey of it. And a lot of that started with going to college and taking classes and seeing that there is an academic interest in it and that leading to there being a more cultural interest in it too. So I think it's an experience that I can really relate to personally um, and I'm super intrigued by. Um, So now one thing that you've done is you've created this platform We talk a lot about your experiences, the parts of identity that are universal um, in the Jewish community, the pride that you have for for being Jewish and and now um, making Aliyah and being an Israeli. Um, You also talk about the parts of identity that make you particular, like your experience with um, being a Chinese-American Jewish woman and the strength and empowerment that you've drawn from that is so beautiful to see. So what inspired you to create this platform? I've always been a storyteller. I've always really enjoyed it. I'm a marketer by profession. So um, storytelling mm-hmm. is kind of like what I've always done. But I saw that I was using social media in this way where I was already sharing these experiences and people had a huge interest in, I mm-hmm. guess, what was a unique 
um, experience. Like I said, when I grew up being like half Chinese and half something else was like not that unique. So I really didn't see it that way until I left Sacramento. And then as I went to Israel, it became even more, um, it was even more interesting for people because there aren't that many Chinese American Jews, I guess, and there aren't really that many in Israel even more. So um, as I saw people having this interest and having a lot of questions, I was like, I am really good at sharing this and people want to know and I have what to say. So let's do it. And it was actually born on Yom Kippur. Um, One of my very Mm -hmm. good friends, Axel, was with me and we were like, okay, let's like do this. And that's when I changed my name to the Asian Israeli, um, which I've since changed it back because I moved back to America. But um, that's when the Mm -hmm. Asian Israeli was born. I was like, let's do this. Let's let's like focus and really develop this story of and tell it. I mean, I think it's a really inspiring platform to see so much of what you talk about are things that any Jewish person can see themselves in. And then a lot of it's really unique to your experience, which also is, I think, so relatable that we all kind of come from different places and can find this home in the same culture, I think is so inspiring to see. What's been the response that you've gotten? Have you gotten a ton of support? Has there been backlash? How have people reacted to this platform? This is one of the interesting paradoxes of being Jewish is the whole idea that, you know, we are so diverse and we come from different places and we have different stories. And yet all of our stories are somehow still similar and we can really relate to them. Um, And Mm -hmm. it all comes back to the same roots, you know, our our religion, our the Torah, mm-hmm. um, Israel, you know, being the people mm-hmm. from Israel, all of this. So I think that that's really kind of reflective of the response I've gotten, where it's like you said, people are learning about a unique story and they're so interested to hear a unique perspective. But at the same time, they can really relate to different things, you know, whether they're mixed with something else or they've faced anti-Semitism or challenges. um, as a Jewish person or as another type of person of color, as a woman, all of these things. And so I mostly get that kind of positive response. On the other side of that is, um, you know, I'm a paternal Jew and it's something I talk about a lot, Jewish inclusivity Mm -hmm. and not invalidating people. Um, But I get invalidated Mm -hmm. a lot. And I say Mm -hmm. that sadly, even more than anti-Semitic trolls or anti-Zionist people who hate Israel, um, I get more responses from people telling me that I'm not Jewish. And to me, that's probably the most upsetting part. That's horrible. How does how how do you react to that? How do you because you've continued this platform for a long time and you have this image of so much strength and so much pride, even when people are being absolutely bigoted and horrible. How do you remain strong in those moments when people are are saying things that are really hurtful it's so over time i've kind of grown a thick skin but i just really go back to like what is my purpose and what is my mission mm-hmm. here and that is to not allow other people to i guess i shouldn't say allow everyone has permission to feel how they want my mission here is to have everyone feeling included and recognized and seen. And so I just really focus on that and disregard Mm -hmm. what these people are saying. Um, And that's why I've become more outspoken about the issue because 
I don't want that to happen to other people. And that's why I always, my response to people who come onto my comments or anything like this, invalidating me or others is I say, please do not do that. This is not the space for that. Like you can go on Mm -hmm. your platform and talk about how paternal Jews, Jews of color, queer Jews, whoever are not really Jewish, but this is my page and this is my community. And here we don't do that. So that's kind of just how I deal with them. Absolutely. And and part of you having a public platform and a public profile is that there are plenty of other young Jewish people who are looking to your who are looking to your platform and are saying are seeing themselves in you. And the way that you respond with strength for them is is such an inspiration and it's really empowering and exciting to see. Um, have you had any stories of people who have seen your platform and have seen themselves in it and have been like, have people reached out to you with that sort of inspiring message? Has that been something that's been impactful in your work? Yes. And that's honestly what fuels me to keep going is I get a lot of messages. Yeah. For every negative message, I get, you know, 10 positive mm-hmm. ones. And I get a lot of messages, especially in the recent escalation in Gaza, Um, I got a lot of messages Mm -hmm. from followers who were like, Amy, thank you so much. Like, because of your encouragement, like, I felt empowered to speak up at work to a colleague who said some anti-Semitic things Mm -hmm. or to go to HR and, you know, talk about this. Or I asked for time off for the Jewish holidays and told them, like, this is something, you know, instead of taking Mm -hmm. my vacation days, things like this, where it's just like people have actually felt empowered by what I'm doing and have directly told me that. So Mm -hmm. um, that's like exciting because I always hope that that's the change I'm making. And also I just feel good. I want, that's what I want for all Jewish people. Absolutely. And it comes back to this idea that again, we all live in different parts of the world, different backgrounds, different family experiences growing up, but we're not living in Israel and the country wasn't built for like the holidays, the schedules, everything. It wasn't really necessarily built around the Jewish calendar, which is part of living in the diaspora. And we'll always be, and that's okay, but it brings a present, it presents a certain number of challenges. And that universality, that experience, I think A is something that brings together the Jewish community, but B is something that also brings together minority communities in general, learning to live in a place and make that place for you, I think is part of the exciting progress that we're hopefully going to make in the future. And I think part of the hope for what America can be one day, which is a place that all minorities feel like they are included and you're being a part of that change, which is really, really exciting. Um, And one thing you talked about a little bit earlier was the difference living in America and living in Israel. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that, about the experience, especially given that you come from a mixed background, it's not necessarily as common in Israel? Sure. So there's kind of two sides of this. Um, One is... One of the biggest reasons I loved Israel so immediately and wanted to make Aliyah was that Israelis have such a different Jewish identity than American Jews or probably Mm -hmm. just diaspora Jews in general, which is they feel Jewish all the time. They don't feel that they need to Mm -hmm. do Jewish in order to be Jewish, right? Like over half of Israeli society, the majority is what would be called secular Jews. They don't find themselves to be religious. Um, And that's because they exist in a Jewish society where, like you said, they they don't have to do anything Jewish. They just are by default of being a Jewish human living in a Jewish society. And Americans, Mm -hmm. on the other hand, I find always feel the need to do Jewish to feel Jewish. (laughs) I did a Masa program before I made Aliyah and our Mm Madrika asked us, 
do you feel more Jewish in Israel or in America? I was the only person in the entire group who said, I feel more Jewish in Israel because I can just exist and be a Jewish person. Mm -hmm. And everyone else said, well, in America, I just do so many more Jewish things. They actively would, you know, have to have Shabbat, go to synagogue, do all of these things Mm -hmm. that in Israel they didn't have to really do because they were just existing. Um, And I thought that that was such an interesting, an interesting kind of shift in perspective that I saw. It's interesting too, kind of what you're touching upon there, almost like the cultural versus the religious impact of it, how kind of culturally, it's based on what you were kind of explaining, in, in Israel, you felt like a lot more culturally connected to it. Whereas in America, a lot of that culture comes from like the religious places. So you connect to Judaism. When you go to synagogue, when you go to Shabbat dinner, whereas in Israel, that was everywhere you looked. So you kind of had that implicit cultural connection to it, no matter where you went. Exactly. Like Shabbat is going to be Shabbat in Israel, whether you like it or not, because you're in Israel and the Hagim are the Hagim. Not like here where, you know, oh, everyone's going to celebrate. Well, not everyone, right? (laughs) The major parts of society are going to get Christmas off and celebrate Christmas. And here you are like, oh, but that's not my holiday. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. and But it also goes into identity of just feeling like being Jewish is part of your core being at all times. Like by merely existing as a Jewish human, you're being Jewish, if that makes any sense. And I feel like Mm -hmm. in the diaspora or for a lot of Americans, we don't necessarily carry ourselves in that way or perceive ourselves in that way. It's like, oh, being Jewish is this part of me that I turn on or turn off when I'm doing Jewish things or I'm with Jewish people. And that's something that I really want to shift, I think. Um, That's like Mm -hmm. a message that I am really trying to put out because I'm learning how to be an American Jew now, right? Like the majority of my Mm -hmm. Jewish years, you could say, were in Israel where I just got to exist Mm -hmm. and be a Jew. And now I'm in America and I'm like, oh, do I need to do a lot more Jewish things? Yes, I do do them to feel connection. But I also really am trying to embody that idea that like I'm just a Jewish human being and I can't turn it off and I shouldn't turn it off and I shouldn't hide it either. Absolutely. And talking about that kind of last point of learning how to be an American Jew, one thing that you also do is you coach people how to use social media to share their own stories. What's been the inspiration for that? How we talked about a little bit earlier on the value that you find in stories. What's what's been the value you found in the stories that other people are sharing as well? I think part of why I like I love the coaching is that seeing other people and hearing their stories is what empowers me, which I think is similar to when I share my story, it empowers others, right? So helping mm-hmm. people do that brings me the most joy. Um And I've been doing it for a long time. So I guess I have a lot of skills and input on what to do. Um, And yeah, I I want everyone to feel empowered to share their stories. You know, it doesn't need to be a Jewish story, but, you know, whatever it is that they have to say, I feel like social media is this blessing and a curse where it does give people that autonomy to share themselves. And what have been some of those stories that you've heard from others that have really shifted the way that you see the community? Um, I think just hearing a lot more stories from intersectional Jews, um, which is really also I've made a lot of friendships from this. Um, 
but you know interacting with for example the empress mizrahi who is a persian um non-binary jewish drag queen and they are someone who's become a dear friend of mine um and i've really been inspired through their expression of themselves just unapologetically and mm-hmm. you know they also face a lot of challenges and so it's stories like this where i just realize i'm not the only one um and those are the people that really inspire me to keep sharing my story. Absolutely. And I think the more the people do share their stories, the more we're inspired to talk about our own experiences too. And it's this kind of beautiful cycle that hopefully we will just continue. Which really brings me to another question. The past year um, during the pandemic, a lot of people have kind of shifted to being more online. And as we've shifted to being more online, that's kind of given us almost exposure to different stories that we never would have heard before. I know that a lot of us probably wouldn't be in the space if we hadn't been kind of stuck in lockdown and looking to share, looking to learn, looking to form community in the time when it felt very isolating. How do you hope to see that continue to grow? How do you hope to see this online access to different stories continue to become a positive part of our, of our community and our lives and as individuals and together? A couple things. One is that I hope that, you know, I don't like this term influencer. When people call me an influencer, I've learned to kind of own it because I guess there's no other term, but um, same here. <laughs> but everyone is an influencer, right? Like, like it. anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it feels weird when someone calls you that. But at the end of the day, if you're yeah. influencing people, I guess that's what you are. And but part of that is, you mm-hmm. know, people say, oh, I wish I could be like you, Amy, like be brave like you. And I say, I'm not doing anything that you couldn't do. Not to say that I don't work hard. It's that I just mm-hmm. hope that every person, you know, whether it's a Jewish person or a queer person or a feminist person or, you know, anything that it is, feels that mm-hmm. they can just openly share that part of them. And I'm not saying you necessarily have to be an activist or be you know, constantly pointing out these different things or bringing up your Jewishness. It's just like being Jewish is something that happens in your life all the time. So, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, you're talking to your friends and they say, what did you do this weekend? And you say, oh, I had dinner with my friends. But really, you had Shabbat dinner. And why don't you just say you had Shabbat dinner? That person's then maybe not going to know what it is, but they're going to ask you like, oh, Shabbat, is that a Jewish thing? I didn't know you're Jewish. And then you can talk about it. Or, oh, what's Shabbat? And then you tell them, oh, it's a Jewish thing. And you tell them about it. And that's kind of where we get Mm -hmm. this exposure to real Jewish people versus all of the anti-Semitic, you know, garbage that they may have heard in passing or funny jokes Mm -hmm. that they heard about Jews. Um. And then the second thing that I really hope for the online community is we've seen that this is how information spreads. So now it's up to us because we can see that the platforms are really not um, regulating this is that Mm -hmm. ethical piece of like journalists where we do our due diligence to research the information that we put out. Um, We aren't spreading misinformation and these kinds of things. And I understand that it generally is a lot bigger from, you know, the anti-Israel and the anti-Jewish side. But I think part of it is that we have to hold ourselves at a higher standard. 
Um, And so I just Mm -hmm. hope that kind of the entire online community really realizes that as content creators, we hold that responsibility. Absolutely. Um, And I think that really transitions beautifully into our last question. And the question that we like to end every podcast here at Nice Jewish Girls um, on, which is kind of the purpose of why we started this podcast. The hope was we're in this time of immense change. And the biggest, most helpful thing in my life has always been access to mentors. And for lots of young women, they are never going to have access to a lot of the people we've had on the show to talk to them. And maybe they're an expert in a field they never considered and they want to hear their story. So the hope is that through the show, we can give people access to mentors in every field, from every background, so they feel inspired and empowered to own their own experiences and their own stories. So that really transitions to our final question, which is, what's one piece of advice that you want to give a younger listener listening to the show right now? Um, about navigating the world as the Jewish woman and how to do that with strength in spite of anything that's throwing your way. I've been waiting for this question and anticipating it. Um, so I think <laughs> yeah. I just want everyone to to internalize the thought that being Jewish is an amazing, beautiful, and positive thing, and we should never be afraid to show it. I understand that anti-Semitism is scary and all of that, but you know what? We are who we are, and hiding, as we know, didn't make a difference. So I think being proud and displaying every piece of ourselves, which includes our Jewishness, is, you know, mo- I want I want to see more of that. And I don't want people to feel that their Jewishness is a burden because it's not. Your Jewishness is not a burden. It is not something negative, even when people make you feel that way. It is something beautiful and positive and you should share it. Amy, it's been so wonderful to speak with you today. Thank you for joining us. I feel like we could talk for hours, but it's been it's been so great to hear your story. Thank you for sharing it and continue doing incredible work because it's inspiring so many people. Thank you, Julia, for having me. And I also am a big fan of your work. If only there was Jewish on campus when I was on campus. <laughs> Thank you. The hope is that it will be for people who are listening when they're on campus. So Let's hope so. (laughs) Thank you. Amy's story is incredible for so many reasons, not the least of which being the way it's continued to change. She searched for herself in so many places and boy, did she find herself. And she became so empowered in her identity that she realized how deeply it demanded to be represented. She knew that there were so many other young Jews who just like her, needed to feel the representation that is so often lacking in our communities. And so she did something about it. And of everything that we've gone through on this podcast so far, that's the thread that ties each of our guests together. When they identified a problem in our community, in the world, anywhere, they've done something about it. They've created the change that has been so desperately needed. And in doing so, they've also created a better future for us all. And this, my friends, is where we'll leave you for today's episode of Nice Jewish Girls. Hopefully a bit smarter and a bit more inspired. Before ending, some personal information to share. This episode is sadly going to be the last of Nice Jewish Girls. It's been a great honor hosting this show, and I've loved every moment of it. It's been an absolute privilege to speak and learn with the incredible women that I've met over the time we've made the show together. These women, and you all, the listeners, have fundamentally impacted my life. And I'm so grateful for that. Hearing your feedback has made each week so special for me. 
unfortunately and well, fortunately, I guess, my life has become pretty busy recently. I'm finishing up at the University of Chicago and the Jewish on campus is growing by leaps and bounds. Being a part of something bigger than myself is the greatest honor of my life. So this really isn't goodbye. It's more of a see you later because there's a lot more work that I have to do in this field. And I hope that you all follow along and stay in touch. So for now, talk to you later, ladies. Nice Jewish Girls is a production of Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Rivki Stern is our incredible producer, and I am your host, Julia Dassey. Check out jewishunpacked.com for everything Unpacked related and subscribe to our other podcasts. And don't forget to follow Unpacked at all of the social media places. Just look for at Jewish Unpacked. Again, this isn't goodbye. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Julia Jassy. It's just talk to you later, ladies. <laughs>